I want to uh, have a moment here. Uh, Richard's going to set up and show you all a video. And it's a little four minute video and I want to give you a break from me and I want us to take the time. It's very wonderful, engaging about the uh, voting rights of African-Americans and, and again, the suppression that has taken place. And then we're going to go into the suppression that we see today and how we can fight against that. So, Richard, let's go ahead and uh, bring that video up for everyone. Throughout the month of February, Black History Month. I'll share stories highlighting issues and people making a difference. Tonight, I'm focusing on this year's theme, African-Americans and the vote. 2020 marks the 150th anniversary of the 15th Amendment, which gave the right of black men to vote following the Civil War. To understand the present, we must first visit the past. The year was 1964. These three men were killed by members of the KKK in Mississippi. They were campaigning for all black Americans to get the right to vote. One year later, in August of 1965, President Lyndon Johnson signed the Voting Rights Act, which eliminated the restriction on the voting rights for black people. But 55 years later, Keith Mays says the fight isn't over. The African-American vote is under attack. Mays is a professor of African-American and African studies at the University of Minnesota. He says the national black history theme for 2020 speaks to the ongoing struggle for the right to vote. Collectively, black people don't really get the right to vote um, until 1965 uh, with the Voting Rights Act. We have to understand what's taking place, which is to say that there are people who stay up uh, every night uh, looking to take that right away from us. An example of that are the voter suppression laws that are that you see in every single state in the union. And I think that if, if one would put the voter registration laws, or voter suppression laws into context, you can actually compare them to some of the Jim Crow laws that were passed back in the late 19th century, early 20th century. Um, mainly the poll tax, uh, the grandfather clause, and the literacy test. As America prepares for the 2020 presidential election, Mays says there are already tactics underway to suppress the black vote. So we got the voter suppression laws, right? The new ones, voter ID, we're gonna get rid of early uh, registration, we're gonna get rid of absentee, we're gonna get rid of voter, we're gonna curtail voter registration drives. You see the same thing today with a voter ID law. Nothing that on the face of it that says anything about race, but they know that African-Americans, particularly African-Americans who are poorer, who may not have a lot of means, who make a certain amount of money every year, they, they know for a fact that they are more likely than not to carry a government-issued ID. And so that's how they get us. Many of us may not be registered, so we show up on election day and register register that same day, but they're taking away our right to regist register on election day. The suppression is already underway. The question becomes, can the turnout uh, mitigate against the suppression? And when he talks about turnout, he's talking about the black voter turnout. And when he talked about suppression, here's an example he pointed to. In Texas, state lawmakers want criminal penalties for people who improperly fill out voter registration forms.
If you look in Arizona, some Republicans there propose new voting rules complicating submitting an early ballot. And in Tennessee, GOP lawmakers are considering a bill that would fine groups involved in voter registration drives, which is something we've seen African-Americans doing for decades. And all these reasons why voting is the focus of Black History Month? Exactly. For this year. Huge issue. One thing that, that Professor Mays always said to me that when we talked about that, I, th I thought, it's just so silly. You know, when people talk about the black vote, you can't assume something's monolithic. That's ridiculous. We don't call it the white vote. I think what they're saying when they when people say the black vote, it's saying that as a black person, mm -hmm. your voice counts, your okay. voice matters. And we are not a monolithic group. That was filmed in 2020, but I felt it was very apropos for us to watch today. The reason because that very same thing is happening right now. It is occurring, the voter suppression, the tactics, the saying that people in certain states like Arizona and Nevada cannot be offered water when they stand in line to wait. These kinds of things are occurring to suppress the vote of anyone. Now, listen to this, who is not voting in harmony with the Republican, with the Republican far right wing faction of society. I want to leave you with this. November 8th, 2022, we get to decide as a country, what, where do we stand? This conversation from an African-American woman perspective is not just for African-Americans. It is for my peachy brothers and sisters. It is for my Asian Americans. It is for my Latino or Latinx uh, Americans. It is for everyone with every identification, Christian, non-Christian, Muslim, Hindu, Buddhist, anything. Because at the end of the day, we are not, and we should not be identified by, oh, you're an independent, you're a Democrat, that defines you. We are human beings first. And why are we here right now? Why are we with this podcast? Why are we always making the time for Truth and Democracy Coalition? Because we love this country. And this country is the great experiment of the world. Can all races and all religions come together, not just in tolerance? No, 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 no but in acceptance of one another and say, you have every right to be just to be. Not to be if you do, not to be because you did this, but just to be, and you have the right to be my neighbor. You have the right to have a voice. Your voice has the right to get a vote. So what do we do to overcome the suppression? Are we helpless? Absolutely not. I was just talking to Richard Prasida earlier today and he was out walking in Buena Park and he was with Alex Padilla and it was wonderful. I was just out with the with the Democratic chair of Orange County out of Brasenio walking today for our candidates. So you can get out there and walk. If you can't walk, you can telephone bank. You can also send in uh, uh, also cards and mail to vote. But you can do this. And I challenge you all. We have two days left. Everyone on here, can you reach out with courage? Is this easy? No. Are some of us introverts? I'm sure. But I encourage you to reach out to at least five people and, say, and check and say, did you vote? Are you registered? 
let's vote. Do you know who to vote for? I know you you care about equality like me. Let's vote for the right people that are going to bring this. Because I'm going to tell you right now, if we as Demo- and, and as Democrats, those of you guys who are Democrats or identify, and I like to just say those of you who believe in equality, if those of us who believe in equality and equity in this country, if we don't win, we will lose the House. And if we lose the House, a woman's right to her own body that was just overturned, they're going to go harder. They're going to go harder. They're trying to hold us back. And do not think that this democracy cannot be toppled. Rome wasn't built in a day. And Rome didn't topple in a day. But it did topple. This country is in peril. And we need everyone to stand up for the voting rights of every American. We need everyone to make sure that they are voting. And we need you to understand that you are here because your time is now. You are here for this purpose. I am with you. We were born at different times and on different days, but maybe we in this Zoom call together because we are here to ignite the vote. So I love you all. Stand tall, take courage, be bold, because for this time you were created, for this time you were made, and we must protect our country so that we don't go back to what we came from. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dom. Thank you. All right. Talking about different colors, you know, Donald Trump is orange, right? So, (laughs) but... Also, I have this new painting, beautiful painting, and it reminds me of you, Dom. It's a a woman with a blue, when your hair was more blue in some of the pictures, with a blue headscarf over her, and I call her my new girlfriend. She just sits on the wall looking pretty. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I'll show it to you. Okay. Yeah. So... One thing that I was thinking when you were talking about, it reminded me of something I heard about. I don't know if you know about it or not, but the slave Bible, a Bible Mm. that had parts of it cut out because they didn't want the slaves to read the parts about liberation, the parts about the promised land, the kingdom of God, you know, and, and they didn't want them to read that, but they read it anyway somehow. They read it anyway, and they create and they came up with what I believe is a truer theology than the church, um, than than the evangelicals have come up with at all. And I really would like to see more preaching on that, you know, more of that preaching, because I think when we take a positive approach to this problem, we can talk about what it really means, what the Bible really means and what it really says and not let them take it and define it for us. Absolutely. That's so true. They definitely did, uh, you know, really, I I, I like to say decimate what the Bible uh, really is about for the purposes of evil. And, and, and that is something that, uh, you know, uh, is, is a really it's a it's a bad stain on our history. And again, the one thing that history does for us all is that we can learn from it so that we don't repeat it. The problem is that many uh, Americans today in between the ages of 18 and 35, they don't take a hard look at the history too much and their vote matters. And then they don't vote. 
And then we see a huge swing in the wrong direction. So again, we're learning from history. It's important. Yes, Denise, I think she had a question. Yeah. I was just wondering in the video, I mean, I've heard of it before where they were saying that um, having a um, form of voter ID is a form of suppression, a government form of ID. Mm -hmm. um, what I don't understand though, this day and age, you have to have like a driver's license, social security and all that. So I don't understand how people could not have that this day and age. Right. So um, many people, as, as the gentleman and the, uh, the professor in the video was mentioning, uh, many African-Americans don't always have identification. Oh, and that might you, you have to have those things. Truly, I know. Uh, for different reasons, uh, it's it's interesting. The African-American American community across the United States of America, uh, many in poor areas uh, with less income, uh, also many, unfortunately, having been, not all, but some, having been part of the uh, criminal justice system. Uh, they are afraid of the government. They are very afraid of anything as it relates to um, any, and it might seem rally, fairly benign for us, uh, but they're afraid to even go to get an ID. They're afraid to go to the DMV. They're afraid of the government because they have learned that authority does not like them. Authority sees them as a threat for just being and existing. And that's really, I know it's so hard to understand, but that is the uh, the mindset of many African-Americans, especially men who are in fear. So, for example, Chicago, a lot of uh, uh, African-Americans in Chicago on the south side do not have proper documentation and they uh, a lot of times don't vote. You know, they don't go get their voting. In fact, a lot of young men who are, let's say, 18, they don't even go get their identification. And there's a lot of uh, organizations working and going into those communities, trying to help people to say, listen, we'll help you get your identification. We'll help you register to vote and things like this. Many of them don't even want to register to vote because they're afraid for their names to be out there. So there is so many things that really in barriers uh, for the uh, African-American community because of the history of the racial inequities and the racial violence that many have been subjected to from authority. So there's that fear there. And that's something that we are working hard uh, in our country to, to really overcome because we do, we do need our uh, African-American brothers and sisters to realize that they matter and they their votes do matter. But that's a part of the reason why some may not have that, Denise. And I, and I would add that we did have a couple laws that were attempted to be passed the, on democracy. And in one of those laws, I think the last one we had, and I forget what the name of that bill was, but it had provisions for voter identification. It just had uh, the types of things that you could use. Right. And so it's, it's not, it's okay, but when it's being used by people, to exclude people because you don't lose your vote your your fundamental in my mind your fundamental right to vote simply because you don't have a certain type of id mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. that's a fundamental right you can't just go willy-nilly take it away from people just because they don't have an id or they can't read or whatever there's no there's no legal basis for taking mm -hmm. that right away from somebody. You have to accommodate that. So there have been laws, they tried to pass a law, um, it didn't pass, but um, to make sure that 
there's a wide variety of things that can be used for voter ID, but would allow the states to uh, promote voter ID, to have a yeah. voter ID as long as they complied and allowed all these different types of things mm -hmm. to be used. And yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Richard. Yeah. And then we're getting right now to the state, what's it called? The, the state theory of interpreting of voting rights as if um, states could be autocracies in the United States of America. No, this is a democratic country. It was based, it's the founder of democ one of the founding democracies in the world. And take a look at South America. Most of it is all democracy. It's been a model for the world. And really, there are only two types of governments right now, an autocracy and a democracy. And all those fine distinctions don't really matter as much. But the idea that somehow states in America have the right to be autocracies, to make their own laws and not be democracies. No, not in the United States of America. No, that's not the case. So that they can make their own laws. The federal government has always been able to set the standards. And but we don't know what the Supreme Court's going to do. And there's there has been data that has shown that using like county level turnout data that around the country, researchers have seen that the racial turnout gap grew when the states enacted strict, very strict voter ID laws. Um, and so we've really seen that it's these uh, it, the enactment of these have reduced the turnout and the turnout con continued even after the strict voter ID law was repealed because there was a time that it, many states did end up repealing it. But these are avenues that that far right wing faction is using like literacy tests to stop those people from uh, who are black uh, Americans. Americans and uh, others who have who are citizens from voting. So it's a very real issue. And unfortunately, it is a very awful tactic that is used. It's seemingly benign on its on its head. But like the video said, if, if you look at the underbelly, the real intentions are very, very, uh, very not good. <laughs> Barbara, it's great to see you again. Uh, how are you doing? Go ahead and unmute. I'm hanging in there. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> everyone else is. Awesome. Um, Richard and I met a number of years ago during the pleasure of putting on a, a large event here in Orange County, um, trying to get up when progressives weren't as popular and we hadn't made the national news. It was the grunt work that led to that. So I've, I'm always happy to, um, you know, reconnect with him. Uh, you, I wanted to briefly share, and this this partially takes what Dom, you know, everything very good about the voter suppression but to also tie to one of the big myths and lies about immigration and, mm -hmm. and the stories we tell. John Bacon, my great, great, my great grandfather, I can almost guarantee was never charged a poll tax post-Civil War, never asked if his grandfather could vote, had voted, never had to take a literacy test. He was a white guy. And he immediately had more voting rights, even though he was a criminal, than African-Americans who had been in the country three or four generations. And that's to contrast with how the African-Americans post-Civil War were being treated. Here's a guy, you know, he's a criminal. He just showed up here and he's now got more rights. We need to realize these stories we tell and the things 
are stories of convenience and stories that we, um, we use selectively when they support what we want. That's um, right. Yeah. There were also hundreds and hundreds of Irish immigrants. There was no documentation. Many of them, quote unquote, could have been considered criminals in the way they fled, as far as the English were concerned, fought in the Civil War, got their citizenship, were given land, and never looked back. Yeah. You know, it's, what you say, Barbara, that somehow we get caught up in ideology. We get caught up in our propaganda and we're looking for things. I mean, the whole market in the media is designed to give people what they want and they're looking for what they want. If they don't want to hear it, they turn it off. You know, I just talked about well, it. I'm, I want to yeah. respectfully disagree a little bit, Richard. I don't think, I think some of it is that, um, and for those of you into a, a, a deep read, there's a book, um, it's called American Slavery, American Freedom. Uh, it started off as an academic piece. It's, it's not entertaining reading, lots of footnotes and all that kind of thing. But it lays out the economic argument of why the original folks here rationalizing slavery and how they you know, realized they needed free labor and how they created this and also how they created and realized that they were outnumbered, you know, 99 to one, and they needed to divide the poor whites from the African-Americans because if they united, those few rich landowners would have been in trouble. I think, Richard, it's not just, we, we want to, um, we're afraid and we let people tell us what to be afraid of. We, we let the folks, um, and it's to their advantage to keep us afraid of other things yeah. as opposed to paying attention to what they're doing. That's right. well, in the opinion. Yeah. So, but right. uh, from that perspective of fear is incredibly powerful. And if they can make you afraid, if they can convince you to fear, it's dangerous. Yeah, and I, I think that's partly what I meant. You know, we, we look for, yeah. and the media is appealing to those things that sort of trigger us. I was talking about how I just said something about doing a tarot reading on whether Trump was going yeah. to, uh, or not Trump, but Putin was going to use nuclear weapons. So that triggers people. It triggers Christians because it's tarot. It triggers liberals because they don't believe in that. So thank you, um, Barbara for your comments. And why don't you help me wrap this up as I start to try and put these um, links in the chat. So yes, everyone, you know, this is really, uh, it's, it's been a wonderful time together. Again, thank you so much for everyone coming together. Barbara, thank you for those very, uh, very cogent points that you bring up, uh, you know, just in fact about, you know, the rights for those who are voting, uh, who 
or criminals versus those who didn't, who couldn't at all be uh, being African-American. I think it was very, very important for us to take note of that. And to everyone here in this room, I don't want, I want you to always remember that when you come to the, the reason why I love the Truth and Democracy podcast is because it gives us all a voice. It gives us an opportunity to engage. It gives us an opportunity to really listen and learn uh, going forward on the podcast. You guys are going to continue to get amazing speakers. We've had thus far great people on speak, very notable people who are fully informed candidates, as well as so many others in the future will be here. We are continuing to grow this coalition and this unifying body to do more and more across this country. So as you leave this today, I would like for you to take three things and I want you to keep them close to your heart, okay? Here's the first thing, number one, remember you, who you are singularly, each of you on this podcast is so very important. You are of value to this country, but also to your families and to your neighbors. We need you. We need you very much. We need you to get out there and use your voice. We need you to take courage. You are important. Do not ever, ever diminish yourself in the power that you have. You know what I often tell people? Because I'm in the health and wellness space. I say, many of us grow up in our families. We didn't choose. And through from those families, sometimes we develop traumas through the ages of one to seven years old, right? And sometimes we develop the idea that we are not really important. But I want to empower you today to remember that you are. And I'm not just saying that to make you feel good, baby. I'm saying that because it's true. You are important. I need you. We need you. More importantly, you need you. So stand up tall because every one of you, even if I can't see your face, we are in this together. So number one, you are important or write it down. I am essential. Number two, America needs our movement. This is our movement. Truth and democracy, protecting America, uplifting this country, raising our voices against supremacy of any kind, raising our voices against hatred and bigotry. America needs to be protected. Democracy does not uphold itself. And by the way, the democracy that we all want and hope for, it wasn't a democracy that was created in the 1700s. That wasn't it, because those were still slave owners back then. The democracy that we want is what we will create. It is what our children will build up. Okay, so America needs to be protected. And number three, number three, be active. Be active. Activate yourself. Come to these podcasts every month. Stay informed. Really. Okay. Raise your voices. Talk to people. Talk to the mailman. Talk to the person walking down the street. Talk to the person who's lawn mowing the lawn. Talk to the nurse and to the doctor. Talk to the cash register cashier. Yes, be that person. I'm that person. <laughs> and it's all right. It's okay and it's all right because I take pride, Prosita. Prosita, I take pride. I take pride. And Prosita knows me. He sees me. He knows this is the real truth. I take pride in standing up for what is right, for ideals in harmony with morals and ethics. You see? Okay? So remember, use your voice. 
ignite your voice. Five people, guys, five people. That's you have 48 hours. Talk to them, call them, text message them. Five people, make sure. Okay. And uh, let's continue this conversation. Let's keep growing together. And listen, this is just the beginning because Prasida and I got some great goals for the future, ways we can even come get together. So there's wonderful. So stay hooked in to the Truth and Democracy Coalition because I am going across the nation. I am going to Washington, D.C. I've been to Washington, D.C. I am connecting to our highest candidates and elected officials. And my goal, we'll see may be to run for Congress. So we have goals and we're going to achieve them. And I'm going to need you and we're going to need to do this together. So keep building and tell people to join this podcast and stay glued into all the emails. Right, Richard? Right. And remember to vote. Remember to vote. Also, remember, we need our institutions, our constitution, our constitution. We need those institutions. Support them and go out and vote. Make sure our allies vote, the people you know. And we... look at Hermione. Look at Hermione, Richard. Yep. All right. Very good. Yeah. That's right, girl. All right. Thank you. That's right, Thank, you. Thank you, Hermione. Okay. Thank you, everybody, for coming today. Um, make sure to get register for our next events. We hope to see you if, if you're possible in Whittier early next year. We really want to make that an annual event. We need a national holiday to celebrate democracy on June 6th. So, Amen. but Tuesday is the big day. Uh, let's get out and vote. Let's get out the vote and, and let's try and change this world. Thank you so much for coming and supporting us. Thank you. And one more thing, uh, if you want to follow me, stay connected on Instagram, domjones.unity or Facebook, domjones. OK, so send me messages. Stay connected. I want to keep us all glued in together as much as we can. OK, and we're working on the Truth and Democracy Instagram. So that'll be another one handle to get it connected to. So thank you, guys. I love you. Thank you. <laughs> Share, like and subscribe. Bye. Bye bye. Bye, Ellie. Bye, Glenda. <laughs>